Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. Welcome everybody to my to my independence report, and it's, uh, I hope that's tobacco over there, but it, it probably is. It most uh, certainly um, is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is my independence report. It is a Wednesday at about noon. We are here every day at Wednesday at about noon, and to talk to uh, Eric Hall and Hi, this transient transient. I even changed it to transient. Did you notice that? That, that works. That works. <laughs> If that makes us happy, that worked for us. Always yeah. makes me happy. Transit, transient, transit, transient. All, all good. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, by the way, tomorrow is a big day. Are you? Have you heard about this big day for tomorrow? Oh yeah, March fourth. March fourth. May the force be with you. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. I, I wish I had said that. QAnon has uh, predicted a galactic event for tomorrow, too, by the way, right? And that's that's the event I'm speaking about. Uh, yeah. The 4th of March. Somehow, magically, some way, uh, Donald Trump is going <sighs> to defeat the Constitution, and he's going to become president of the United States because there's going to be martial law and there's going to be anarchy in the streets, and he's the only, the only orange person that can put it all right. Um, he's a he's this is a very little known fact, but he was the guy that uh, first put the Oompa Loompas together. The, the he's what? the guy in charge of the Oompa Loompas. See, the way QAnon explains this, and this is what this is the brilliance of uh, Willy Wonka. Those Oompa Loompas <laughs> that are so friendly, they <laughs> yeah. fooled us because oh. they are going to band together and they're going to push Trump through the office and they're going to say, Oompa, Oompa. <laughs> Trump will do these things to you. <laughs> oh, it is, it is amazing to me. I never thought. I mean, I know that there are people, and I, I, don't, I don't know about your viewpoint or whether or not you believe that uh, that the uh, moon landing happened. Well, I can tell you I was there, not on the moon, but I was alive and watched it on TV at the time. And or, or that uh, the uh, nine eleven was a setup, or any of the other uh, traditional uh, um, uh, conspiracy theories. But what they've done is they've taken and put them all together, including that JFK Jr. did not die in the airplane crash; that he is alive and well, and that he's out to get Hillary Clinton. It's just a mess. And but be, there are there are literally millions of people in this country who believe this stuff. Well, these people are shockingly smart. And they're, they're brilliant the way they can tie things together in, in ways that uh, we just never could imagine that, that it could possibly work. But yeah. they're able to piece things together. Well, do you know, you know what, what I attribute it to or, or, or the, the biggest, uh, the, the one I liken it to, I guess, would be drugs. Uh, beside, well, there, there used to be, and there's not so much anymore, uh, but there used to be cults that would come out and say, 
the world is ending on 2000. The world is ending on, and some of them came up with specific dates. And they came up with specific dates, and their followers would sell their belongings and donate everything to the church, even though the church wasn't going to be there anymore and stuff. And, And then the date would come, and the date would go, and we're still here. And there would be people literally sitting in their houses waiting for the end of the world to come. It's, you know, any moment. And then it got to be 1159, and it's like, you better hurry, don't you think? And, what a ripoff. <laughs> and then nothing would happen. And so they would go, they would go relook at their notes and go, oh no, well, oh, I got the math wrong. What I meant to say was. <laughs> and so you watch. They 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 had January 6th was going to be the day when when they were gonna be able to eradicate everything and, and the, the storm, the capital, and all that was now. So they there's no wait 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 no I, it actually is when because the company or the country became incorporated years ago around Andrew Jackson's time I guess or 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 Ulysses S Grant one of the two uh, a general in any event um, they, uh, they they said that okay so he is now going to be the next rightful president so he's only going to be like the nineteenth president the other ones none of none of the history between the middle of the eighteen hundreds till now matters. So yeah, I, don't, I don't know how it, that works. It, it, well, it doesn't. But from their standpoint, <laughs> it's the only way they can make sense of it. So, <laughs> so in any event, I'm, so I'm looking forward to. I've got podcasts, you know, uh, a bunch to do tomorrow and 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 stuff. So yeah. I'm not going to have a great deal of time to 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 tune in. But I'll keep an eye on it and see if. If um, if Trump magically becomes president again and the Constitution is gone, in which case the tomorrow will be the day I sign off and it will be our, my last podcast because I will be heading to the hills with my son. Yeah, I don't blame you, man. I, I can't imagine any scenario where Trump ends up being president again, ever. But I, I didn't think he'd get elected last time. You know, it just slays me. It still slays me. I, I don't know how... How did they get so nutty? And and Trump is already back. You know, he, he was at CPAC last weekend. What was that, Sunday? Oh, yes. And just continually spewing the same lies that he was before. And yep. these people are eating it up. They got to come up with a new group of lies or something because he's he's feeding the same type of, of, of uh, hate, division, and fear that he did prior and uh, he, it's 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 just frightening that there are people that number one. There's a guy I have to tell you about this guy. He was my uh, I went I was at work with uh, Kraft Food Service. He was my district sales manager. He always talked about integrity. He was a born again Christian. He was always good to his people. He was always fair. But he talked about integrity and 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 honesty and and the things that you should all do. And he's also a Republican. And so we had a discussion one time, and I said, so you need to explain this to me, sir. And he said, well, okay. And I said, well, this guy's been married three times that we know of. He's also had two affairs that he's paid people off to not talk about that we know of. 
probably more. He walked into uh, Miss USA and or Miss Universe's dressing room when the girls were naked and just because he could. He's he's a scumbag and and of of all the of all the righteous people, he ain't one of them. And I said, how can you support that guy? And he said, well, he's a businessman. I said, he's not a businessman. His dad gave him $600 million. No, he didn't. His dad gave Because there is two truths out there. There's the truth, and there's what other people say is the truth. And it really is a sad, it's, it's a sad place in time when we can't even agree on a set of facts if we look at the same piece of paper. You know, there's a guy at CPAC, and I forget his name now. He virtually got up and said something similar to that. He said, uh, I may get booed off the stage for this, but maybe we should talk about coming up with issues that uh, make our party popular rather than going after enemies. He got and it was kind of silent. Yeah, it was like a silent response. Like, what do we need to do that for? You know, that's that's the part that hurts, you know, that the people... I mean, I have friends like you that go way back that are Trump supporters. And, you know, as much as I'm as fond as I am of these people, I really have to question what they learned while I was learning this, learning what the things that I learned. They, they see the world in a completely different way, obviously. It's, it's, it's apparently they do, because do you remember when uh, um, um, the Supreme Court Justice... Uh, um, the gentleman died. Um, I forget his name. Eh, how soon we forget. In any event, he, he passed away, and it was a year before the new election. And uh, McConnell said, no, we're going to wait for the new president to do it. We've got 11 months but to go. And so I talked to my friend about this, and I said, uh, now, do you think that it's right that they that the Garland was not given the opportunity to even even uh, interview for the position eleven months before the end of the uh, of the end of the uh, of his of Obama's term, and he said, "Well, it's been done before, and that's kind of how they operate." And I said, "It has never been done before, and if you look it up, you'll find that this has never happened before, and it's not something that is constitutional." And he said, "Well, I do believe it is," and then so then he decides to look it up. <laughs> he looked it up, and the last time something like that happened with like. It was a Supreme Court justice, and it was in the mid-1800s uh, where something like that happened. But then right when he called me, I got the news that uh, Ruth uh, the, the Ginsburg passed away. And this was three weeks away from the election. And I said, I'll bet you, I'll bet you sitting here $100 that the, the Republicans are going to pass uh, try and get a new Supreme Court justice in in three weeks. And he said, no, no, we have more integrity than that. And then McConnell <laughs> came on and said, we need we really need a Supreme Court justice, and we need to get this person in as quickly as possible. And I said, how can you justify? How can you how can you sit there and justify that behavior when when it's it's now to be fair, if the Democrats were in the like the same position, only reversed, they may have done the same damn thing. So the, we, so you know, I don't know. I it's don't possible. Know. It's possible. You know, I think what's ingrained now more than ever in Democrats is that they have to do things like this now. You know, I think they've tried to take the high road uh, multiple times in the past thirty years, and it really hasn't worked well for them. 
uh, and Democrats are in, in the majority of people that are walking down the street. Vast, what is it? Uh, 65, 70% of people on the streets are uh, have Democratic leanings rather than Republican? If everybody voted, the Republicans would never hold national national um, um, place again. And that's national, right. National that's, right. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Jeez. They're, they're a minority government mm-hmm. uh, that do extreme things. They run up our national debt. They uh, divide the nation with civil rights and uh, racism. Obviously, the white uh, supremacists are not going anywhere. No, and the the Republican Party has facilitated that over the past, well, forever. Since they became, you know, the conservative party anyway. Used to be Democrats. Used to be Democrats that were the conservatives, but now it's the Republicans. Well, and that's that's the thing when you when you talk about uh, President Lincoln, who was a um, uh, Republican, mm-hmm. at but at that time, the Democrats and especially the Southern Democrats were this were the conservative party. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who voted for Joe, Jim Crow and and uh, all of all of that, and the and then somewhere along the lines. It flipped because the Democratic Party went more liberal and the Southern Democrats didn't come along with it. And so they became Republicans. That's as, right. as far as I understand it. That's right. That's right. You know, so it's, so. it's a it's a crazy world and our, our craziness is is not over yet. It's good. I think it's going to I think Biden's going to get some more gray hairs. But I, think, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think Kamala will get some gray hairs. And, um, yeah. Yeah, but they're both fantastic people, and I think they can handle it. I am, I am really hopeful that. Well, I'm not really hopeful because I think so far Joe Biden is doing a really nice job. But, but uh, it, if he has to go, um, I'm hoping that Kamala will be the next president of the United States. Wouldn't that be a interesting dynamic? That'd be fantastic, and and you know, to be fair to Biden because he is a centrist. So at some point, he's going to make some a lot of the Democratic Party unhappy with him. Right. And in my mind, that's okay. You know, I don't have to agree with everything every president does because I don't think I've ever agreed with everything a president has done. You know, that's just not in the cards and nor should it be. But Biden, like I said before, he's the right man at the right time and whatever happens in this next four years, I believe he can handle it, or at least put down on paper the direction that we need to take. And if uh, so be it that Kamala is the next one to step up, she'll have a path swath for her that she can do with it what she feels she needs to do. But uh, I think Biden overall is, gonna, is the right man for the job with no doubt. Well, and I'll tell you, uh, with the coronavirus, he... Yeah. Um, He's made some when when he said, I want 100 million people vaccinated in our first 100 days. People said, oh, please, you know, you should make something up that you can do and that, that you never be able to get that done. Well, he just he just uh, um, made an announcement yesterday that they hope to have 150 million doses available by May, which is less than 100 days. And uh, and it's because he's using all of the powers of the presidency, 
on behalf of the people and is talking to Johnson and Johnson and Madeira and saying, I don't care if you hate each other, you're going to get along and you're going to play nice. You're going to make this for us. That's right. I think Trump. (laughs) Trump did okay in getting the ball rolling. <laughs> but but Hard he didn't have, he didn't have the fourth he didn't have the right plan as far as enacting uh what is it the oh now the name escapee that uh, the government can mandate that manufacturers do something the military preparation act or something like that exactly. he was never going to do that because he's a you know the, he has republican leanings he's not a conservative by any means but he doesn't have a concept that government should play a role in people's lives he thinks right. it should be company. So he was never going to take it that far unless there was, you know, something self-serving about it that uh, I can't imagine what that would be right now. But uh, Biden um, was able to take what Trump did and make it actually work. Oh, God. My eye red. Yes, it is. <laughs> Damn. We ever well, that's more- the only thing Trump did right. <laughs> When you're doing a live show, have you ever, you know, swallowed down the wrong way and then you're trying to you're trying to talk and you're trying to survive and it just doesn't work sometimes? It, it felt like I just did that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Enough talk about politics. Thank we've, you. <laughs> we've burned up enough time on that, which was uh, 15 minutes of our time together, and that's about as much as we dare do. Uh, so, but th- th- by the way, this is uh, Eric Hall. He is an author of note. He writes stuff. I can't imagine how he does it, but he does it. And he's uh, actually going to talk a little bit about that today. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. Surprised you with that one, didn't I? (laughs) And uh, I've been writing for, in fact, I learned how to write on Facebook. I think that's just how I'm going to look at it now. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Doing Facebook posts, you learn how to write on Facebook that way? Yes. And, you know, exactly that, because everything I write, as you've noticed, is short. I write things that are a sentence to, you know, maybe a couple of paragraphs long because people on Facebook aren't going to read pages. They're going to read a post. Right. So everything I've written, so when I think of a story or a story comes to me, it's broken down into a couple of sentences and maybe a couple of paragraphs. It's very difficult for me to do something longer. It's... um, Although maybe I can envision it, I can't envision myself doing it. So all the words I use are very chosen and uh, measured so that it uh, takes up as little space as possible. So I learned how to do it on Facebook. So you actually know what all those words that you use mean, which I think is an outstanding uh, contribution all by itself. Thank you. Because I have to, I have to be fair. There was, and there was a word that you used in the, uh, in one of the stories that I voiced for you. I had to look it up. Deciduous. Deciduous. That's the one. Yeah, deciduous trees. Right. right. I had to look. I and and I had to learn how to pronounce it. It was not easy. <laughs> deciduous. Uh, deciduous. Which I love because I love the thought of evil trees, man. You know <laughs> what a great story. It's it was like a, uh, that tree was deciduous. <laughs> Deciduous. What was that? Was that uh, oh, uh, Wizard of Oz? They had the the trees that uh, 
Yes. Have the, people and grab the branches, man. That's fantastic. Those were deciduous trees. They were deciduous trees. They were not very nice, but no. they were deciduous trees. Now, uh, I'm willing to bet that we've got some people listening. I'm willing to uh, bet that uh, nobody knows the meaning of that word. Uh, so if you do, uh, type it in the chat, into the comments, and say, I, now, 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 put your phone down. <laughs> put your phone down. That's not fair. You have to, off the top of your head, what does deciduous mean? And we'll, and we'll wait. We'll wait. In <laughs> <laughs> any event, you've learned, you've learned to do a lot of, uh, uh, in your writing is when you put it, when I, then that's where I found it actually was on Facebook. Yeah, uh, and yeah. It was, the story that you told was so heartfelt and so real. I felt like I was there. It was it was pretty incredible. And I think you did a. This is you're going to talk about a version of that story that you did, aren't you? Um, well, today I'm going to talk about a, a children's story that I wrote, and uh, I have this mythical grandfather that uh, had shared this story with me. And that's what I'm going to talk about today, because it talks about, in fact, it, it did come from driving the bus. Because for a year, throughout the year, not every month, but throughout the year, I drove Route 11, which goes up and down Madison Street from Lake Washington to downtown Seattle. And Madison Park and Madison Street is lined with deciduous trees trees that lose their leaves uh, during winter and then grow new leaves. Oh, you ruined, year. you ruined my little game. You <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm you sorry, gave, man. <laughs> you gave them the definition. Oh, dang. Oh, yeah. Wow. But the story is about the life of a, of, a, of a leaf and thus a tree. And because... Uh, Everything has a place. Everything has a time in the world. And what better way, in, in my mind, what better way to talk about those things than through the life cycle of a leaf because it gets it all. It gets birth, it gets a light, and it gets breeze, and it gets earth, and it gets moisture, and then it uh, begins to fade away. So in, in the span of a year. It's actually a very spiritual um, 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 story. Because when you when you look at it from the standpoint of the birth and life and then death, but death wasn't death. Death became new life. That's right. <clears throat> so it, it never it never it wasn't an ending. It was the beginning of something new. And by the way, I also wanted to mention that I love the concept of you talking with your grandfather because I know of your um, um, Native American heritage, and in the Native American heritage world, grandfathers were revered rather than put in resting homes. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, I never got to meet any of my grandparents. So he's a total, total fiction, total fiction. But in my mind, this is how the story goes. But you see, it, but in your mind, then it's not a fiction because you, he can be anything that you choose him to be. That's and right. He, he can be the wonderful human being that, that you did not have the opportunity to meet. And I'll bet you he was. No doubt about it. You know, the, the guy was a simple speak and um, had a way of explaining things that made everything have a place and a purpose in the world. See, so there you are. So you there win. We are. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, do you want to do you want to uh, go into that now and and read it now? What do you want to sure. do? Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, <clears throat> so I just turned sixty this year. So I'm about thank you. So I'm about the age that my grandfather was at the time that he told me this story. So I've been thinking a lot about it. You know who he was and uh, what was going on with him. He was a very unique man because he grew up on this mountain. And the cabin that he lived in was built by his grandfather from materials on that land, you know, the logs and the rocks and, and so forth. And it was a, a beautiful little cabin, very sturdy. And my grandmother, she passed away when my father was pretty young, two or three years old. So my grandfather raised him on that mountain. And they lived pretty fairly isolated lives. You know, there were some neighbors in the foothills and uh, the hills around the cabin and would come to visit at times. And there were times that my father and grandfather would have to buy more supplies or trade. So they would come to town to do those things. But mostly they lived their lives on the mountain in, in the old ways uh, with uh, raccoons and the squirrel and the deer, and occasional bear. There was a, a lake nearby where they'd fish. So dad grew up being part of the mountain and he really felt part of it. He felt part of all the wildlife and the trees. And, uh, but he had his sights on seeing more of the world. You know, he caught wind of things that were going on. And when uh, the opportunity arose, he secured a job as a semi-truck driver, went back and forth across the country. And that's how he met my mom. And they moved to the city but my grandfather stayed on the mountain his whole life. And fortunately, we, we visited grandfather a lot. And uh, when we would go up to the mountain, dad would tell me stories of what it was like to grow up there. You know, he would tell me stories of the birds and the trees and the deer, and the occasional bear. And he'd tell me stories about fishing on the lake. And he'd speak about the nights up there were just uh, filled with so many stars and he'd say, you know, I think the moon is actually larger up there. And when he spoke, it seemed like the most beautiful place on earth. And seeing it as a child and seeing it as I am now, I think of it as the most beautiful place on earth. Now, my grandfather had a way of telling stories. And when he spoke about what it was like uh, to live on the mountain and he'd tell stories of... Uh, uh, life and and creatures and such, it seemed to me that the mountain was the only natural place for humans to be. Now, he was a man of simple speak. So he could tell a very simple story. And because of his voice and the way he spoke, you knew everything had a place. And it seemed so clear to me when he spoke about uh, what was happening. Now, I was about four or five when he approached my parents and he said, I want to spend some time with the boy. I want him to know the mountain. Now, mom and dad agreed, you know, quite readily. So one early part of uh, March, they delivered me up to the mountain and he showed me around the cabin. There's still snow on the ground. So he made some snowshoes for me and he took me to the creek and we followed some deer trails and 
we went to the lake where my father used to fish. And he had me stop, and we'd listen to the wind go through the branches. We'd watch uh, the wind go across the lake. You, there were times you could hear the wind start at the bottom of the mountain and go up over you and then down the other side. It was, it was remarkable. And at night, there were so many stars, there billions and billions of stars. And the moon, indeed, seemed larger up there. Now, one morning, he start, right after breakfast, he started a fire in the fireplace. And he uh, sat down in his chair by, by the fireplace. And he put me on his knee. And he said, I want to tell you a story that my grandfather shared with me when, when I was about your age. And it, it's not just a typical story. Okay, I said. It's a story that we can talk about throughout our lives. And it changes. It always has something to do with the situation that goes on. And I found it a good way to talk to each other. Okay, I said. You see, I, I love my grandfather. Like I said, he had this kind voice and kind eyes. And his speech helped me understand what he was trying to say. So I, as I sat on his knee, and we were sitting by the fireplace built of stone and there were these warm, soft flames uh, from the cut wood and smell of cedar. There was uh, frost on those old lead glass windows. and There was snow on the branches outside. And he spoke softly in my ear. His wrinkled hand was on my knee as he began his story. He called it sunrise on the mountain of forest. Mornings begin with the quiet in the forest. From the forest floor looking up, the branches break their embrace of stars as the sky turns from black to blue. The wind will whisper, good morning. And birds will sing their praise of another day coming. Hackberry, maple, beech, elm. These are just part of the deciduous trees that make up the forest. And they speak amongst each other the way trees do. Silent vibrations that branches and roots understand. The trunks hold these conversations from the years of standing in the sky. Birds praise this winter, spring solstice morning. It is the beginning of the season of the new leaves. This is a season called spring. And green, that's the color of this season. You see, sunlight warms the branches' tips as it calls for the trees to bud and begin their green. And each day they take in the sun. It's time to explore life. Slowly, buds become leaves and they begin their day playfully unrolling itself, stretching it. They reach and they embrace each day. It is a time of lessons learned from new friendships and new situations. It's a time of joy. And each new day, the sky sends a breeze. And as the leaves grow, you can hear the sound from the breeze turn from a whisper to a rustle, and indeed it sounds like laughter, for the leaves know this is the time of play. And the trunk hears the rustle and knows its leaves are learning their life's lessons. And at the end of the day, they sleep under the stars, and dreams come to them in the warmth and comfort of their branch, of their trunk, of their tree. And it's a good time for the trunk, as it recognizes that each leaf has been chosen well. Now, 
Now it's time for the trunks to share stories from the years before them. And the leaves use these stories to understand the breeze and the moisture and the light. And they grow as large as they can because no two leaves are the same. And spring rains feed them with earth's promise that well, life is never ending. And they know that this is the best time of life because they know that there's another season coming. And that season is called summer. And blue, blue is the color of summer. From their trunk, the leaves have learned the stories from the leaves that came before them. And they understand with the breeze and moisture in their veins, they will appreciate the light. The roots have called to them, have shared the story of the earth. And they begin to understand their own story of breezing, moisture, and light. And they can feel the brothers and sisters of their branch sharing stories with the trunk. And they listen. And they learn. Then they interact with the brothers and sisters and friends. Because this is the time to share what they are learning. And blue is what concerns them now. They extend themselves into the breeze and they feel every moment of every day. This is the best time of life because they know that there's another season coming. And that season is called autumn. Orange is the color of autumn. In the early morning's breeze, it sweeps the leaves with a chilling certainty that their story is almost complete. It's time to send their stories of the breeze, of the moisture, of the light, into the trunk and these stories make sense to them now and it's time to share what they have learned with the trunk you see with each story they send in they turn ever so slightly from green to orange and then brown and they no longer bend with the breeze or take in what it has to say they're only concerned that their stories from their time in the seasons of green of blue become part of the trunk and they reflect on their lives. They see the good. They resist letting go until their story becomes ingrained as bark. And they know this is the best time of life because they know there's another season coming. That season is winter. White is the color of winter. You see, the mornings are later. The breeze is colder and the sun now seems farther away there are leaves that are letting go and now their color is brown as they lay on the earth they become food for the roots of the trunk but this is their way of making their story complete see the brown leaves fade and disappear into the earth and moisture covers them they look to the sky and see the blue turn to black it will be silent as stars embrace those branches where it was once green. But the leaves have a last thought. The trunk is a bit taller this year. More stars are embraced. And my story is with them now when the green will be called out again. And they know this is the best time of life. Because they know there's another season coming. That season is called spring. Now, as grandfather finished his story, 
My head was on his chest, and I listened to his breath and his heartbeat. I, I climbed down and went to the window and looked out, and there, there were these large, heavy snowflakes were falling, and the sky seemed white. And the trees outside, they, they seemed black, and the branches were covered with a thickness of snow. And it was so quiet. And as I looked out, I could hear the crackle of the fireplace, and embers snapped and popped out onto the wood plank floor. Grandfather was standing next to me now, looking to the quiet trees. The air was all white and seemed heavy as if there was no sky. It's almost like there's no sky, Grandfather. Yes, it's beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> One of my favorite things is knowing that the sky is always there and the stars are always there. I reached out to hold his hand and he grasped mine in return. He looked at me and he said, this, this is the best time of life. And that's the story of Sunrise on the Mountain Forest. <laughs> Thank you. We're not done yet. <laughs> They're standing. They're, uh... They're standing. You know, I, I got to tell you now, um, in listening to you, a couple things. First of all, beautiful story. Thank you. Great story. Expertly you. delivered. Thank you. Thank you. You should not have anyone other than you reading your material. Oh, I disagree. I know somebody else out there that does a, a wonderful job. No, but, you did uh, much I better would, than I would like you. to do my stories. You did much better than I did with that story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing, the other thing that got me was, um, do you remember, you're almost as old as me, and you may remember uh, uh, the Lone Ranger and Tonto? Yes, I do. Jay Silverstone or Silver Heels, one of the, the, the Tonto? I don't recall his name. It sounds about right. You sounded just, when you were grandpa, you sounded just like Tonto. Oh, how cool. I never thought of that. Oh, I'm going to have to watch some of that. Yes, yeah. You, you sounded exactly. Perfect. Yeah, you sounded exactly like, yes, Kimosabi. <laughs> but you sound, I mean, you sounded just like, just like him when you, when you were reading the story. So, oh, I dig that. Thank you. By the way, if you're just joining us, we just finished with uh, uh, Eric Hall. He just uh, with his story. We're not done with him yet, uh, but with his story about uh, about mountain with grandpa and the story's called again. Sunrise on the mountain of forests. And uh, we need to put that out. And uh, um, and and I want you to record that. And then we'll put we'll I'm putting together my website and I'm going to have an audio book or an audio uh, section. How fun. And I want you to voice that so that we can put that on there. Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing another reading of that story coming up on March uh, 15th, uh, Monday night at uh, 7.30-ish. Comes up after 7.30. Marsh Stream Theater. Marsh Theater out of Berkeley, California, has this wonderful program growing where they have storytellers of all types. And they have all kinds of wonderful activities. And storytellers tell their stories. And they have a Monday night uh, mashup, which is uh, like an open mic 
gotcha thing on Monday nights and you sign up for it months ahead and and they allow you to do to tell your stories and I've done one with another friend of mine who's a amazing storyteller Wayne Wayne Harris if you've heard of him before uh, it was just absolutely fantastic and I was able to do a program with him just before last Christmas. And I got hooked on doing it because it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Well, you're good at it too. And, and the oh. way that, the way that you, oh, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Sorry. Erase it. Erase that erase or erase what was going on in your head because you do a really nice job. And it was, thank you. It was, it was really worth, it was really worth listening to. And then now that's the beautiful thing is that's now going to be up forever. Great. Appreciate that. So it'll be on YouTube in a little bit, and I'll also put it up on a, uh, a podcast because it, it'll be it'll be there for you for for a long time. So that's 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 really cool. Oh, uh, and what's the name of the uh, um, theater again? And what time? What time of night? Marsh Theater, M A R S H dot org, Monday, March fifteenth, and you can catch it on their website marsh.org marsh stream marsh theater.org or go to youtube and put in marsh theater and it will come up uh, so either of those two ways will work well and we were talking you and i were talking about doing something together weren't we yes yes i'm looking forward to this because that sounds like a blast oh wow doing some sort of improvisational thing Yes, we're, we're going to come up with a couple of characters, uh, both bus drivers, and uh, we're sitting there waiting at a facility where they drug test people, and we talk about uh, our experiences uh, out on the road, which are many, which are many, as uh, we've both seen out there. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. We get the whole the whole gambit of the human experience, man. It, and, you know, in, in the scope of my life, I learn more as a bus driver than I did in virtually anything I've ever done um, because you're, it's, it's different. You're not in control. You're in control, but you've got no control. And, you, right. you know, you've got uh, – you see, when I was in the restaurant business, even when I was an assistant manager, I had some sort of control. Or when I was a server, I had a little bit of control. But here, no, you don't. You you don't have you don't have control over squat. You just have to hope for the best and and uh, try and, and and make do with what you can do. But it's so yeah. So that will that will be a fun. What we're gonna have to do is rehearse that, and uh, and then we'll present that as a uh, uh, as kind of an improvisational thing. Because I think I think you're really are talented. You don't. You tend not to. Yeah. See, there you go again. You don't think so? <laughs> I, I I think you're you're really really talented. Oh, and, thank you, thank you. And and uh, it's it would be a lot of fun. It would be a lot of fun. And that, and that's why you and I are going to play on this thing for um, uh, as long as long as uh, you'll have it because this this thing this this little this little project of mine is going places, my friend. It oh, really it's is fantastic. It's just fantastic, yeah. man. I'm digging what you're doing. I'm digging that people are appreciating what you're doing too. It's about time. It's well, you know, it's really interesting is when you start getting the word out about what you're about, and it's about uh, um, freeing, developing freedom from hate, division, and fear, and getting rid of the negative stuff, and then all working together to achieve a common goal that you can't do separately. 
you have to do together. That's the only way it'll work. Um, and uh, that you'd be amazed at how many people have are reaching that same conclusion that they can't. You can't do it by yourself, and you can't do it when you're in opposition to other people. You have to work together. That's right. You accomplish so many more things with uh, multiples of people behind it. You know, we're a village. There's no other way to look at it. And his grandfather used to say, everything has a place, everything has a purpose, everything has a role. Exactly. And and the thing is, is that your grandfather, the, the, what I don't like, I'd like to talk about Native American culture there for a second if we can, because I don't like the fact that we take, maybe it's because I'm now one of those longer in the tooth kind of fellas that that the young kids today have a tendency to just say while well, they're old they don't know what they're talking about and it, the, the sad part is they're not going to know that we did know what we're talking about until they know what they're talking about they're going to be our age is that shocking <laughs> but we did the same thing with uh, yeah we did you know like, uh, of course you know times were different then because you know we are we're part we remember what it was like to have I had the first record player I had that my first Beatle album went on, which was Hard Day's Night, was a little box that you lifted up. The, the, the needle was attached to the lid, and you put this, the record in, and you close the lid, and the, and the album would play, and there was a speaker that was the size of, I don't know, a dime that, that all the music, and that, but that's what, I had to listen to the Beatles when they first came out. And wow. in channels, there were four, five, and seven, nine, 11, and 13, and that was it. Yeah. And, and now everything is, everything is blown up. It's changed. And that's, that's, it's, it's, it's really is wild. So, but we, we had the benefit of, Getting up in the morning on a Saturday morning, we'd watch cartoons. I remember, you know, watching cartoons on Saturday morning because that's the only time they were on. Mm -hmm. And then after about noon, Major League Baseball would come on, and for the game of the week with uh, Kurt Gowdy and uh, and Tony somebody, and yes. uh, yeah, <laughs> and then and then uh, we would go outside and play. Yeah. We'd go hang out and we'd uh, uh, play army, or we'd go chase around, or we'd go uh, ride bikes and or play baseball in, in in the local sandlot field, and all that's gone. It is. Yeah, I remember the days our parents. In fact, I remember our day. Our parents were like unified because you had to go outside and play. <laughs> go outside. Come back when it's dark. You know, when the street lights come on, that's when it's dark. And if you got in trouble. Like I got in trouble once and twice, maybe a couple of times. And <laughs> one of my friend's parents actually paddled me. Oh, really? She grabbed me and she paddled me. And then she called my mom and I could hear my, my mom on the phone. Did you paddle him? <laughs> yes, I did. Send him home so I can paddle him. <laughs> you didn't mess around in our neighborhood. You knew no. that the parents all had a unified front. They had our number. <laughs> <laughs> and th th there was none of this thing that's going on now when the kids get in trouble and now it's like well you know he had a rough childhood and he, he and it wasn't his fault because the other guy did that, did that, did that. And rather than us taking responsibility for our own actions we are now blaming the other guy or the other person for what and it's just it's not it's not healthy it's not good for us 
I don't think so. You know, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not pushing you know child abuse here at all. But I have to say that because of just why we're talking about this. <laughs> but I'm a proponent. It's good to spank a kid when they're being a spoiled brat. There are I can attest to that. Well, I, I have to tell you a quick story. When I was younger, I thought that maybe spanking was the thing to do. And uh, so I didn't do it often. And only when they really, really, and I mean really deserved it. And then we'd go sit in their room and we'd talk about it. And then I had, you know, wooden spoons. And <laughs> I took a wooden, I would have a wooden spoon and I'd swat them a couple of times. I didn't realize they hurt pretty good. <laughs> In, in any event, they didn't leave any marks or anything, and uh, but uh, um, over the over the mists of time, over the next year or two, yeah, I'd be cooking in the kitchen. I couldn't find a wooden spoon anywhere. <laughs> really? Who who got rid of those? <laughs> my my children had formed a consortium. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd taken all the wooden spoons and hid them. There's a solution for it. <laughs> I I had you know and that I at that point I I stopped. I had already stopped, but I would never I would never lay a hand on my kids again because they figured it out. And they, <laughs> so 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 you know what do you so then it became you know go to your room or or but see because I like to talk. I would want to talk it through with the kids and to find out what was on their mind and how they were thinking and how they were feeling. <laughs> and my wife, on the other hand, at the time, didn't like to talk about much of anything other than what's for dinner and let's let's have a good time. And then if we get into an argument, well, the, the next day, it's like it never happened. It's like magic. It never happened. And, uh, um, and so oftentimes I'd be sitting there, well, son, you know, I want to know what you're thinking and why you were doing. And my wife would go th walk by the doorway and go, would you guys just shut up? <laughs> There's a unified front. Yeah. I, I remember having that conversation with my father because the first car accident that I was ever in, I was uh, in fourth grade. And we had this driveway that was landscaped on, on a hill. And you drive up this curved uh, curved driveway that would lead from the street on up to our house in front of our house. And we had just bought a Lincoln Continental. This is my dad's. He loved this car. It was one oh, of those yeah. uh, two two door, you know, things in the and the transmission. It was beautiful. Man, I love that. I wish I had that now. And of course, you know, he said, that's not a play toy. Stay out of that thing. So of course, you know, the first opportunity that uh, we had Donnie and I, my best friend at the time, got in the car and we started to play. And we were wrestling. And of course, uh, I was in the driver's seat and we knocked it out of gear and we knocked the emergency brake out. We started going down the hill. And I was looking over my shoulder as we we're starting to go down. And I knew we were going to cross the street because it's all power. There, were, there weren't any brakes on this thing unless you have the engine on. So the steering, power steering was really difficult to turn unless the engine was on because you didn't have power steering. Right. So I started cranking the wheel to go down the curve of the driveway and trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Now, across the street, there was the house that sat below grade, and I knew I could take the car and drop it down below grade and maybe go into that house. Or I could continue to steer and hit the Jeep that was parked just kind of across the street just to the, just to the south of this house. So I decided... 
I'll probably do less damage if I hit the Jeep. So I kept steering the wheel, steering the wheel as much as my, you know, 10-year-old arms could do. And I turned the, the back of this Lincoln into the Jeep and got the Jeep up on an angle, you know, the whole thing. And, you know, thank God it didn't go any farther than that because it wasn't that big of a grade, but it seemed horrible at, at four four years old. And we got to, you know, the accident point. <laughs> and Dottie said, bye. And <laughs> just took off down the street. And my dad was running uh, down the steps and towards the, you know, down the driveway. <laughs> and he opened up the door and he grabbed me and he just dragged me up the stairs, man. There, I had no feet under me. I was just dragging up the, up the stairs. And he took me and he threw me into the, uh, my bunk beds and he just started swatting me left and right just swat 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 and he slammed the door and i stayed in there you know i had the sense not to say anything and about uh after dinner because i could smell dinner cooking and nobody bothered it uh, to invite me in i certainly wasn't gonna stick my head out the door <laughs> <laughs> my dad came in and it was about eight o'clock at night and he shook me you know you're awake so what were you thinking and I told him, you know, I know we weren't supposed to play. I know that was wrong. But when we were going down the hill, I thought I could either try to hit the house and go down that, probably do more damage to both the car and the house, or I could turn it into the Jeep and maybe do less damage. He goes, yeah. Well, how come you didn't think that good before you got into the car? <laughs> 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 and that was about the only time, that was the only time my father took a serious beating to my ass. And it was a, a good time to chat. He made me get a little paper route, one of those neighborhood paper routes you get for a quarter of a month if you, you know, actually oh. deliver. Um, so I did that for the next oh, six months before he said, oh, knock it off. You're paid up. And that, you know, that was my first car accident. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I I love that story. And one of these days, I, I you know I'm gonna have to um, because you you write such you write such good stories in there, and uh, I'll have to write the one about. Uh, so I get off the school bus, and there's a King County Sheriff's car in front of my house. Uh oh. <laughs> which which of course would be oh, the, the the story. So. <laughs> We, when I was in ninth grade, it was the same year that this fortified wine came out called MD 2020. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, yeah, I, I, I have heard of that and uh, sipped that once. We as a group decided that we were going to buy, go in and buy a group of, uh, of bottles. So, so we contacted the guy that, that had fake ID. And we wanted to buy like ten bottles of this MD twenty twenty. Sure, that's and so five dollars, yeah, yeah. So we paid we paid the guy fifty bucks between us, okay. and we took them and we buried them in the woods. Really? Yeah, because we couldn't take them home. Oh, so you can uh, age them? I see. Age it till it's right to drink. Which took all of one week. <laughs> then we came back the next week, and see. We had no earthly idea if you if you know, first of all, it tasted like fortified Kool-Aid. Yeah. So we went down smooth. 
And so because of the fact that we were inexperienced in the art of of getting getting drunk and uh, inebriation is what I'm trying to say, because we were not in the experienced in the art of that, we decided, I'll bet you I can drink this bottle faster than you can drink this bottle. Good plan. And so we we all drank the bottle and uh, proceeded on our way to the local junior high school, which was uh, we were in high school at the time, but they had friends at the junior high school, and so we thought we'd wander up there and see their friends and stuff. And very as we, sociable. they're very nice. And as we get going, it gets harder and harder to keep going straight because we were getting and so we make it to the junior high school, and we're I'm out by the. Uh, um, um, baseball um, uh, backstop, which is a ways away from the school, lying down because I really didn't feel like getting up. And uh, uh, my friend came, and he was, was lying down, throwing up. Oh. And then the other kid came with in tow with the principal and the assistant principal because he decided to go ahead and break a window with his fist. Um, and and so they they came and they and they and they picked up my friend. I noticed them first and staggered off into the woods, and uh, and and headed home. And of course, uh, when I got home, Uh-oh. there was a uh, telephone call. Nobody was home. Telephone call saying that uh, uh, is this Mr. McDonald? I said, Well, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> And he said, this is one eight high school. Just letting you know that Kevin was not in school today. Oh, and uh, and so so I of course I didn't let them know. And uh, and so I, I I go to bed early, and they don't they don't I don't get caught that time. I got caught another time, but they didn't get caught that time. And so I go to school, get on the school bus, then come home and get off the school bus, and there is a squad car sitting in front of my house. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's what I said. So, so I walked up. We had a split level, so I walked up the stairs. And as I'm walking up the stairs, I hear, well, Mr. McDonald, I don't know if this is a consistent problem with your child or if this is an ongoing thing, but I think it is something that you really need to uh, take into advisement. And, and that's when I hit the top of the stairs. And uh, they introduced themselves, and they said, we're here to talk to you about you being inebriated the other day. And I said, what? They said, drunk. <laughs> and, they, and I said, well, yeah. And, of course, my dad at this point had to take the upper hand because he was my dad, of course, and he didn't want to look bad in front of the cops. So he said, don't get belligerent, young man. <laughs> I have no idea what belligerent means. And, or what not to situous, do. <laughs> it's another one of those words that you know <laughs> I, I took the time to learn what belligerent meant and uh so i just sat there and the police said you know gave me the what for and this is what's going to happen if we ever see you again and we're going to drop by your bus stop and and if you are drunk again and we see you we're going to take, take you to jail and we're going to throw you to the wolves and then you're going to pay out of the wolf pit and we're going to put you in the alligator pit and you're going to and then we're going to put you in the place where only people go who can't bend over anymore because they <laughs> so anyway they they, yeah. they tried to put the, the fear of god into me and so they leave and i'm sitting in the chair and my dad is watching tv and looking straight ahead he said well did you get sick 
I threw up. I thought I'd thrown up like my kidney or something because it was like an ongoing thing for like two hours. And of course, I said, nope. And he said, too bad. That's the last we ever talked about it. Is that right? Yeah. That's so. That's that's a story that the that the uh, squad cars came to my house. Wow! I, I have the distinction of the my brother was much worse than me, but nobody ever came to the house to get him. So. <laughs> you attract more attention, apparently. Apparently, apparently man. but the moral of the story is: don't make friends with idiots who can't keep their friggin' mouth shut when they get caught. That's right. That's right. You don't want that. No. You don't want that. It's bad enough to get caught. It's you know, it's a whole other thing to say. Yes, yeah, in the cops. Yeah. So you know, we we need should write some some short stories like that because everybody's got them of of things that happened in their life and, and stuff that that are really interesting. So it's all the stuff that makes worth live worth living. You know. It is. It is indeed. By the way, I just have to tell you, Eric, I really enjoy these Wednesdays. They, they're they're a lot of fun. I do, too. I just have a blast. I just have a blast. It's fun just to chat, have a good time chatting. Well, and, and I don't, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that people will find it at least endearing or at least a little uh, humorous at times because you're a funny guy. You're a funny guy. Well, so are you. Well, I'm, just hoping, I'm just hoping they don't send the cops, you know. <laughs> you, you just never know. You, you never know. know. So, so just just keep the cocaine out of your freezer. <laughs> so what you do with it? Hell, I don't know. <laughs> that's, but that's that's another story. I was <laughs> real real quick when I was in the restaurant business. Um, I went to a party, and in the parties of the time back then, you had the front room, you had the kitchen. You had the den, and that's where everybody was kind of hanging around. The beer was in the kitchen where the uh, keg was, and it was uh, in ice in the in the in the, in the sink. And uh, so you would go there and get that. Well, there were also back bedrooms. Now the back bedrooms were reserved for two different functions. One was private with another uh, person, hopefully the opposite sex, and the other and the, the other one was where everybody would get together to. Uh, um, do some illegal drugs. Oh, okay. So I'm sitting. Yeah. So I go wander into the back bedroom. I'm sitting with the with these guys, and somebody produces a mirror. And on the mirror, they and then they take this white powder, and they uh, and they spread it out, and then they take a, a razor blade, because I watch carefully. They took a razor blade and made little lines, and they counted the number of people in the room, and they made that that many lines, or like seven or eight lines. That's fair. And and then they somebody took a twenty dollar bill and rolled it up so it was like a, uh, a straw. Wow! And, and and then they started passing around the the uh, the thing and people were taking you know the 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 twenty dollar bill, shoving it up their nose and then they were breathing in the and it was cocaine is what they were doing, Man. and so it goes to like wow. the first five people it goes to they do their thing it comes to me and i say no thanks and did the look on it everybody everybody was looking down and they all looked up and looked at me at the same time it was like what it's like, you're not apparently i had broken code protocol because you're not allowed to go into the back bedroom and to, and to watch other people take drugs you have to be an apt, active participant so that if you get busted you get busted too 
Oh, you got to participate, man. Say, I would have been the guy that would have just taken the 20 and walked out the door. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's a participation sport. <laughs> so taking cocaine is a participation, apparently, and uh, and stuff. So I, I I had to leave the back bedroom. Wow. So, because I wasn't, I, I didn't want to. Well, you had you. It sounds like you had wealthy friends. You know, the, the friends that I had, we were poor. We were from from the other side of the track. So, when we did things like that, we didn't actually have cocaine, but but we had salt, and we had straws that we'd taken from Jack in the Box, and we cut the straws in half, of course, so they could last longer, and we <laughs> snort up that salt and then just axe stone, and that that worked for us because we were all broke. <laughs> <laughs> You were snorting salt? Doesn't that hurt like a son of a gun? Well, I would never admit to that. I mean, we're guys, by the way. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> we true. We were broke guys. We were already, you know, we we're already behind the ball, and we didn't want to. We didn't want to go down that road, so we just we just manned up and snorted salt. Well, see, this was <clears throat> where this was. This was a party when I was working in a restaurant and so there were you know cooks who made you know seven bucks an hour but waitresses made more than that and and there were pretty girls there and all that so that was the, the that was the big time parties that we that i used to that, go sounds, to. Like, that sounds fun actually i would love to go to parties like that nowadays i know yeah. we're too old really and nobody has parties like that that i know of you know nope. if older i'm certainly not invited but i would really <laughs> enjoy having a, a house party again with the multiple bedrooms and the dance music going on and you know well, people in the kitchen and doing you know whatever they wanted to do those are good yeah, times now at our age you'd be like uh let's talk about our grandkids and comparing grandkids to to the other people and see and they, they call house parties for people our age nursing homes <laughs> they do <laughs> <laughs> We can we can line up along the uh, main uh, uh, um, the hallway, her hallway <laughs> in our in our uh, uh, wheelchairs. Our wheelchairs. <laughs> Sitting there. Rockers. I, I had to, I had to laugh one time. I, my mother and I went to uh, lunch and at the Red Lobster, and they were um, in the middle. As we walked in, we saw the van. It was from an assistance living home, and in the middle were was uh, this group of fourteen people. And uh, and they were all older than my mom. They had white hair. Of course, my mom still dyed her hair at this time. And so and she was their age, but she was saying they're so much older than her and stuff. Well, there were 12 women and two guys. Ooh, I like two, those odds. Yeah. Well, yeah, except for the two guys are the <laughs> only ones in the walkers. And and we're sitting there. No, they were there. Well, the women, <laughs> the women were. <laughs> and they were lively and they were alive and they were and the two guys are like one guy one guy was drooling it was, it was, oh. it was, it was <laughs> so that's what you and i get to look forward to we're going to be the drooling guy at the table with a bunch of women if we make good. it that far or we'll be dead one of the good two. good times man well, <laughs> I'll admit I've drooled when I've been at a table full of women before. <laughs> well, he had a bib, so he, had a bib. <laughs> he did. But then, so apparently they were used to it. So, but you know, uh, but that's 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 what we get to look forward to now. These are good times. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and and we'll be we'll be happy to be there. I know we'll be happy to be there. That's yeah, what it's be, about. That's what yeah. it's about. 
exactly. Yeah, Eric, it's been a pleasure uh, with another episode of this. We've been we've been doing this over an hour again. So, is there so, a time flies, man? It's been fun. I know, I know it, and I'm looking forward to next week. Maybe we'll come up with some uh, original skit to do or something. I don't know. I've been working on it. I've been working. I've got to do this theater piece, but uh, I've certainly worked out a few things in my mind, and I'll get them written off, and we can bounce back and forth some ideas. And if you're listening to this before March 15th, which is a Monday, go to, where do they go? Marshtheater.org. Go to their website or go to YouTube and Marsh Theater Stream Monday night. And uh, you'll catch it there. In fact, catch any of the Marsh Stream on YouTube. It's fantastic stuff. People from all over doing amazing stuff from serious uh serious issues in life that they've had to deal with to uh, people that are doing comedy uh, people that are telling stories like i will be doing or people playing bingo or sing-alongs and uh, <laughs> it, it's it's fantastic it's it's a if you're a youtuber like i am and you just look for videos to entertain you for five six minutes and find something else it's a perfect station because a lot of the sh a lot of the stories are short you know 10 15 minutes long uh, some are shorter than that, and uh, they have a wide variety. You'll be entertained. You'll be entertained. Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to look into it. I'll yeah. have to look into it. Eric, is there anything you'd like to tell our audience before you leave today? Uh, be safe out there. Tomorrow is March 4th. May the force be with you, and uh, may you uh, survive the day with uh, the current president that we have at this moment. Yes, indeed. I think that it's going to be a whole bunch of nothing. But I hope it's a whole bunch of nothing because if it's a whole bunch of something, I'm we're going to be in trouble. That's yes, that's right. Take care of yourself, Eric. Ladies and gentlemen, take, take care. care of yourselves and be kind to one another, would you please? Goodbye. You know, it's important. Take care. Goodbye, everybody. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.